0: The blind blogger. His name is Maxwell I.V. Maxwell was born in Texas to a family of carnival owners. Maxwell lost his sight at the age of 12, and when his dad died, he went to college and became heavily involved in the Eagle Scouts. Maxwell started his own business buying and selling amusement rides. He is also a personal coach and an author. So we're going to be talking to Maxwell about what it was like being visually impaired and all the things that he's went through in his life. Maxwell, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Curtis. I was looking back through some past emails and I realized we started talking about this in October of last year. So it's uh, it's good to finally be connected with you and having a conversation and, and hopefully we will encourage some of your listeners today.
0: Absolutely. Well, why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Well, you got a good chunk of it. I am a totally blind person from Houston, Texas. I did grow up in a family of carnival owners. I also grew up from an early age, knowing eventually I would lose all, if not uh, some, if not all of my vision. Uh, my primary goal in life was to be part of the family's uh, traveling business, and I was able to do that for over 15 years before my, my dad's death caused the closure of our small show, uh, after he died, I realized I needed to do find something else to do because there really wasn't a place for me in the amusement industry anymore. So I did the thing I thought I knew how to do. I started helping other people sell their used rides and games. As a result, I had to learn a whole bunch of new skills, like how to hand code HTML so I could get my website online, uh, building an email list recruiting clients. Eventually, you know, social media came along and then podcasting. So I uh, spent was working hard to grow that business. And people started telling me how it inspired them to see me take on these difficult challenges and opportunities. And they wanted to hear more about my life. So I started the blindblogger.net where I share my experiences of being a blind entrepreneur and the lessons I think people can take from that. Since starting that website, I've written four self-help books, I've been on hundreds of podcasts, traveled the country solo, spoken at national conferences, started my own podcast called What's Your Excuse? I now help other people get exposure by uh, connecting them with podcast hosts like yourself, and I just launched the What's Your Excuse podcast network, where I'm going to be helping other people with disabilities launch or grow their own podcast, so... And I think the one main theme has been I still haven't found that one, you know, just one single thing that I can do. Focus all my time and energy on, and until that happens, I enjoy the journey and the the process of learning new things, and uh and I'd often, you know, making the new mistakes and just doing my best to show up every day.
0: Well, what was it like losing your sight and and in being in the? carnival industry and learning all the things that you had to learn was it hard was everything accessible was jaws around when you had to do all this stuff
1: uh well no jaws well jaws may have been around but for a lot of the time i really didn't have access to a lot of the technology i don't know about other states but in texas in general uh, you only get assistance from the state agencies if you're in school, trying to go to school, or if you can show that it's important for you to get employment. And since I couldn't do any of those things, we pretty much had to pay for the technology ourselves. So in the earlier years when I was a kid, and it was a matter of you know working kids' games or or helping in the food stands on the midway, we went with very simple uh, adaptations like you know large numbers and letters, braille tags, organizing stock items where, you know, you could remember where they were and where they're supposed to be. And really when I was helping, one of the things I did the most when I was helping my dad after, you know, I'd gone to college and come back was in the area of doing the bookings. And for most of the time, I was uh, reaching out to fair and festival boards to find us work. I was doing it with a Perkins Braille writer and my memory. So uh, we didn't have a lot of really good, cool technology. We just had this, you know, desire. We knew that we had to to meet certain goals if we wanted to stay in business. So you just found a way. And I think that's one of the things that growing up in the carnival business taught me. Because in, the, in our business, it's all about can you get open on Thursday or Friday night? And if people can't buy a funnel cake and ride the Ferris wheel, there'll be trouble. So, you know, you learn to focus real heavily in on today, this week, this month. And then the other thing is growing up with retinitis pigmentosa or RP, which is what I have, you know that your vision is not going to be constant from one day, week or month to the next. So you also have to learn pretty quickly to to find creative solutions or to accept the solutions suggested by people around you, like your friends, family, teachers, scout masters, et cetera. So uh, my vision loss taught me to be creative and resilient. My family taught me that, you know, it's just a matter of continuing to work and, and show up because if you don't, bad things will happen. And, you know, that really helped me a lot with my vision loss. I never really suffered the depression that you hear about from quite a few other people. But I do think that some of that was uh, a little bit of insulation in that, uh, you know, we didn't have the World Wide Web. And when my family was traveling during the carnival season, uh, we were pretty much a group under ourselves. And then when the season was over, my grandfather had purchased a piece of property out way out from Houston. And so when we got off the bus, it was, you know, it was a fur walk to our next nearest neighbors. So if we didn't play with our cousins, we didn't play with nobody. And I think that, you know, obviously made a difference back then. Now, nowadays, things would be easier on one hand because you would have more support, more access to other people living with the, with vision loss over the internet or uh, through meetup groups. But on the, on the other side of it, you all would have a lot more negativity out there.
0: So carnivals are, I would imagine, in the, in the spring and summer, right?
1: They were when I was involved in them. Uh, when I was growing up, you they went from spring to from the early spring to the end of the fall in Texas. And then the further North you went, the shorter the season was nowadays they work year round with some carnivals working in other countries. Uh, carnivals like my, my cousin's carnival Wagner's Skitty carnival. They're out of Corpus Christi, Texas. They are in Brownsville and Harlingen down near the border in January. And, In the middle of the summer, they'll be in Minnesota. So their season will take them, you know, what is that? 1,500, 2,000 miles from one point to the other before they head back south again. And that's that's the way a lot of it's also become much more corporate with the increase of the price of rides and game equipment. You know, when my grandfather started our family's carnival in the 50s, He bought his very first merry-go-round for $7,500. Nowadays, a portable merry-go-round can cost you a million dollars or more. So with the increase in the cost, they pretty much had to become a more business-like approach to it and then also find ways to work year-round.
0: Well, tell us about your books because you're also an author. So talk about your books, kind of give a brief description of each and tell us how we can purchase them.
1: Sure. I've written uh, four books so far, and you can either find them at uh, Amazon by searching for The Blind Blogger, or you can go to theblindblogger.net. The first one is called Leading You Out of the Darkness, Into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. It talks about my transitioning from being a carnival owner to being an online business owner. It includes 11 exercises that I've used myself It encourages people to report on their progress through my email address. It includes my sharing the answers and solutions that I use to the same exercises that I'm encouraging them to work through. Uh, The second book is It's Not the Cookie, It's the Bag, which is about my preparing for uh, having gastric surgery and then having a surgery, the changes in my lifestyle and attitude, And mindset along the way and some of the the methods that I think can help other people as they're trying to, you know, find a way to to stay healthy on a daily basis. And instead of seeing themselves on a diet or not on a diet, you know, try to encourage them to find ways to be more healthy in their body and in their mindset. The third book is The Blind Bloggers, New York City Adventures, How You Can Make Your Dreams Come True. And in that one, I had competed for the Amtrak Writers and Residents Award, and I took my prize and went on a solo trip to New York City during the Christmas and New Year's holidays. And in that book, it talks about what made me decide to decide to think I could win, uh, how I decided to uh, where I would go and win, uh, facing the fears both mine and those of people around me, where the additional money came from, and just a lot of the experiences, including how the photos in the book came to be a reality because there's over 60 photos in the book. Uh, They're black and white in the print version, color in the ebook version. And that's a really cool story in itself as part of that third book, the latest book, the blind bloggers first speaking and signing adventures, how you can conquer your fears as a continuation of that book. And, Talks about my first trip in 2017 when I went out to promote my book as a as a speaker and doing book signings and some of the experiences I had and how I managed to overcome the setbacks and the obstacles that occurred during that trip, including what does an offer do when nobody shows up. And those are the books so far. I'm working on a conclusion to that series where I'm going to finish my journey to becoming a uh, a paid personally recognized speaker and encourage people you know by ex- by sharing my experiences and show them the ways that i was actually able to continue to just move forward and uh, and overcome the the setbacks that i i experienced on that trip i like to my editor will reign regularly at wordingwell.com. She's been with me on all four of my books. She likes to say, you know, Max, you get into more stuff than any one person I know of, but you always manage to come out of it smelling like a rose and with a good story to tell. And so I, you know, routinely find that Uh, one of the problems people deal with is the expectation that things are going to go smoothly. (laughs) And and if they hang around me very often, either in person or virtually, they're going to find out that not only does it not go smoothly, but a lot of the really fun experiences happen when you're just willing to enjoy when things don't go the way you planned on them going.
0: Well, talk about your gastric surgery. Why did you decide to have it? And how did that help you change your life from what it was to what it is now?
1: Well, I didn't set out to have gastric surgery, but I did know that for years I was unhealthy. After my dad passed away, I put on even more weight and was in such bad shape that a doctor had told me if I didn't change my lifestyle, I wouldn't be around long. And he said he was talking months, not years. So at the end of that season, I went home and met with a primary care doctor that I found one I liked. And the first thing she did was put me on the, you know, the usual drugs for cholesterol, high blood pressure, gout, et cetera, to keep me alive. And then she suggested that I have a sleep study because she thought part of my problem was that I wasn't getting good rest at night. And I had the sleep study determined. I do have sleep apnea and a pretty severe case of it. And that while some people, if they lose weight, can eventually go without the supplemental air from a CPAP or an oxygen machine. Some people will always have to have it, but uh, the severity of the case can be helped by, you know, improving your overall health. But the main thing is, is by having the sleep study and starting to use the CPAP machine at night, I was getting better quality rest and I started to have more energy and more imagination and creativity. And I really started to invest in the new business, the online website where I help people sell used rides. Uh, As I continued to feel better, my doctor approached me at one point and said, you know, Max, I know you've been trying really hard to lose your weight and get much healthier, but you're not making progress. Would you at least go to a seminar and listen to what they have to say about a surgery? So I did. I went to the seminar and they told me two things there that really affected me that really got into my head and changed the way I thought about the idea of having a surgery. One was that it's not an easy answer because along with the surgery, it's going to require a lot of hard work. You're going to have to change a lot of your existing habits and create new habits. And the other thing they told me is that less than 50% of the people who have a gastric surgery actually have long-term success that keep the weight off over a period of years and and don't gain it back. And, of course, they told me stories about some people who actually put on weight after having a surgery, which is not something you hear people talk about a lot. I actually lost 81 pounds while waiting for my insurance company to have the surgery. And when the psychologist asked me why I was still going to have it, I told her, I said, you know, I've been here before. Many times in my life I had been to a point where I had lost quite a bit of weight and just couldn't sustain it long term. So I felt like I really needed to have the surgery at that point. And after I had the surgery, there's been a lot of continuous care through support groups in person and now online, continuing to keep track of, you know, what I eat, make sure that I'm continuing to exercise and stay healthy in general. They continue to do blood work on me to make sure that I'm my vitamin levels and minerals are all in line where they should be. Cause after you have a surgery, your body doesn't uh, create a lot of those things the way it used to through the digestive process. So I have been a lot healthier since having the surgery. I am a few pounds over where I want to be right this minute, but with COVID and some past uh, health setbacks where, you know, I've, I've had some just minor injuries and some other things that had to be treated. Like I I had to have neck surgery a few years ago, and that was several months of pretty much losing my routine. But I wouldn't recommend a surgery for everybody. I'm not even sure I'd recommend it for most people because it does require the ability to change the way you live and also the way you see yourself after you've gone through to the other side of the process.
0: Well, give the wannabe bloggers out there other the future bloggers some tips uh, on how to blog, what to do, and, and how to get noticed and just some best practices.
1: Okay, most important thing is whatever you do in blogging, podcasting, being an author, uh, being a speaker, whatever you do, start with what is sustainable. What can I personally live with? Can I write a 500-word post once a week or once a day? Can I record a new episode once a week? Can I travel You know, 12 weeks out of a year or 40 weeks out of a year or maybe once every three months? So start with deciding what is sustainable for you. What would make you happy as far as how you see yourself? And that's really one of the things I talk about in my first book is start with with what start with, is this goal your goal? Because too many people get into trouble chasing other people's goals or following other people's advice in some some cases. Too many people have gotten frustrated and depressed and quit because they found out they couldn't be the Kardashians or they couldn't be Joe Rogan. So start with. You know what is your personal goal and what does success look like to you and then what can you sustain what can you keep doing on a regular basis most people have jobs, family, pets uh, hobbies plants uh, extended family members, health issues so what can you do along with everything else you're already doing, what would be sustainable and then set that as your goal and do whatever you can on, on a regular basis to meet that goal. From there, as far as the best practices for getting noticed, it really just comes down to helping other people, becoming friends with other people who are out there online. One of my favorite things that, I, that really got me moving as far as uh, traffic to my own website and something I continue to do is commenting on other people's blogs and on other people's podcasts Replying to their posts and social media networks. Because if you leave memorable comments on other people's work, it's not only an opportunity for them to notice you, it's an opportunity for the people who follow them to notice you. That's one of the reasons why I continue to do so many podcast interviews, because I get to get in front of Curtis's audience. And since they already like you, they're more likely to listen to me, at least for a little while. And so being able to take advantage of other people's followings is a great way to get noticed through, like I say, commenting, sharing that person's content to your followers and appearing on their, on their platforms. So those are some of the things that I really recommend. And then when it comes to continuing to keep doing the work one of the most important questions that i ask myself and i encourage other people to do this all the time is am i doing this because everybody else is doing it this way or other people who uh i like are doing it this way you really have to get into the should and should not i mean if something is serving your purposes but it's different than everybody else is doing it then keep doing it if you're doing something because the, quote experts say you have to and it's not working for you then stop doing it and you know for me personally there was a time where I only posted my podcast interviews to video because the process of uploading the audio was so draining that it made me lose my joy as far as having conversations and sharing that stuff with the world in the first place and so I finally asked myself you know is there any rule that says I have to have both audio and video? And I decided, no, there wasn't. So for a while, until I found a more accessible platform for a screen reader user like myself to upload the audio, I didn't, I didn't post audio. I recorded it. I saved it, but I didn't post it. So asking yourself if this is working for you and if it's not, then quit doing it. Or if, you know, if you come to a point where you're stuck, where there's a problem that's holding you back, then you have to sit down and just figure out: okay, are there solutions to this problem? You know, I'm kind of known as a guy who's a creative solutions finder. Or people, you know, I'm often said one of the best things I do is finding solutions instead of making making excuses. Well, so sometimes you just have to go there isn't really a great answer for my problem. And if I don't solve this problem, I can't continue to do my blog or my podcast. So what do I do? And then what you do is you find the solution that works for you. And then of course, the most important part is there will be solutions. There will almost always be options, but most of those options are not going to be fun or easy. So, but I would say when it comes to being able to continue to keep going, Uh, know yourself find a plan or a schedule that's sustainable connect with communicate with and support other people who are also creative entrepreneurs like
0: yourself but tell us about your podcast and and where people can find it and what it's about
1: well thank you my podcast is called what's your excuse and it comes from people over the years saying if mice can do it then what's my excuse And I interview people who have overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. And it's, uh, people can find it on my website, but they can also find it on Apple by searching for the, what's your excuse show. And they can also go to wyexcuse.com now, or they can ask Alexa, Google and Siri to just play what's your excuse. So that, uh, That's the podcast. It's been going on for a little over four years now. My next interview that I'll be posting is with a woman who is a blind snowboarder from Canada, who's in the process of starting her own podcast, which I won't reveal the name of at this time, because we're having a launch party for her on the podcast network uh, next month. And from the What's Your Excuse show, there's now a What's Your Excuse network where I'm going to help other people with disabilities either launch new shows or grow existing podcasts by trying to create a community around people who either have a disability or who have shows that are focused on supporting and encouraging people with disabilities. And it's called the what's your excuse network. And it's like I said, wyexcuse.com and on the sixth, we're going to have the launch party for Emily Trepanier's new show. And I'm hoping that's not, you know, I've, I'm looking forward to, Supporting more and more other podcasters who also happen to have a disability, whether that's a visible one like paraplegics, the blind, uh, or whether uh, deaf, or whether it's an invisible one, people living with mental illness, chronic, uh, chronic, uh, <laughs> chronic pain, and et cetera. Uh, because I feel like if we could create a community, we can help support each other's podcasts, we can help each other grow our audiences. And we can also help keep each other going
0: well tell us about I know you got your book coming that you're working on you're working on your network, but there are there any other projects that you're working on that we need to know about? You know I can't really think of anything right this minute um, I,
1: I I usually have something going on i I recently recorded a, a Myself singing a song called If You Don't Ask, which is the first time I've attempted to write a song. And so I'm working with a couple of people who are more professional songwriters trying to turn that into something. And then, uh, you know, I'm always looking forward to my next public speaking opportunity to share my experiences and the lessons I've learned with people out there, either virtually or in person, so that, um, you know, I can help them to overcome the excuses that are holding them back. or that are holding back the members of their organization, the staff employees of their company or the attendees at a conference. So I'm always, I'm always looking for what that next thing is going to be. And if, and in, in fact, this is usually one of my least favorite questions because I don't always know what that next thing is going to be at the time. And so I just usually like to say that um, I don't like to put limits on God because he quite often has bigger dreams than I have for myself. So uh, I may not exactly know 100% of what's, you know, what I'm going to be up to a year from now, but I know that it will be something interesting and challenging. And hopefully by doing it, I can inspire other people to uh, to take on their own, let's call them crazy dreams, since that seems to be the expression people use about Max quite often.
0: Well, Go ahead and throw out your website, any social media contact, Links. uh, How can people connect and stay in touch with the Blind Blogger? Sure, they
1: can go to the Blind Blogger Net. Uh, They can find me at Maxwell Ivy on Twitter and most all the social media networks. I'm Maxwell Ivy on Instagram. I am the Blind Blogger there. They on the website we have a link to the store where they can purchase merchandise. To the books where they can get the books for themselves. Again, they can find the podcast and the network at wyexcuse.com, or they can ask Alexa, Google, and Siri to play What's Your Excuse? Uh, those are the most common ways of finding me. And, uh, of course, they can also send an email to just ask at theblindblogger.net. I encourage people to reach out and start building a connection with me and see how we might be able to help each other going forward. I don't want people to feel like I'm one of those people that you have to be ready to hire or book or buy something from in order to talk. So I make it easy for people to reach out via the email or the contact form. And if they have a question, just ask, because I've learned over the years there are a lot of questions people have, but they're afraid to ask. So instead of having uh, y'all worry about it or guess, I would just prefer you just go ahead and ask.
0: So. Do you have any final thoughts before we close it out? Uh,
1: Yes, I do. Um, Most important thing that I try to to encourage people is that we are not meant to accomplish uh, the big things in our lives by ourselves. So we need to be building a community, a network, an online family. We need to be willing to find the freedom to overcome the fears and ask for help and accept help when offered. And so I like to remind people when you refuse to ask whether that's an opportunity or for help, when you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. So I do hope that you will let people be part of your journey, let people like me and Curtis help and encourage and inspire you. And that a week from now or a year from now, you'll be on curtis's show or my show and you'll be telling us about the stuff you did after watching or listening to this interview
0: ladies and gentlemen the blindblogger.net maxwell i want to thank you so much for joining me today
1: curtis i want to thank you so much for having me and also for your your patience and finally us finally getting together but the one thing i like to make sure i always tell the host is when i uh Without uh, radio and podcast hosts like yourself, I wouldn't have had the opportunities I have to share my stories, to teach the life lessons I've learned, to encourage people through funny stories. I wouldn't have had these opportunities without people like you because living in a suburb of Houston as a blind person I just wouldn't have been able to get from here to there and back again. So I just want you to let you know that you're part of my journey, that without you, there wouldn't be a blind blogger or a what's your excuse. And just want to make sure you know how much I appreciate and thank you.
0: I appreciate and thank you as well. And I appreciate and thank my listeners. And I want them to follow, rate, review, and share after listening to this episode. I also want the Android users to go to the google play store and download the living the dream with curveball podcast app for more information on the living the dream podcast visit www.djcurveball.com until next time stay focused on living the dream